This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Hey everyone, it's Major Garrett and welcome to our new podcast. Did you know we have a new feed completely separate from the takeout as well? Please just search Debriefing the Briefing. Click subscribe and then if you can, and we'd really love this, drop us a rating and or a review. Pretty soon, you'll have to be subscribed to the new feed if you want to hear new episodes of debriefing the briefing. Thank you, and now let's start the show. The next week is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment. It's going to be our 9-11 moment. We are beginning to see the glimmers of progress. The experts will tell me not to jump to any conclusions, and I'm not. How are the American people supposed to bridge those different descriptions that they're getting from this administration? I don't think they're so different. I think we all know that we have to reach a certain point, and that point is gonna be a horrific point in terms of death, but it's also a point at which things are going to start changing. We're getting very close to that level right now. From CBS Audio, this is Debriefing the Briefing. Here's CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent, Major Garrett. Hello from Washington. I'm Major Garrett, and welcome to Debriefing the Briefing, our look at the work and communication of the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Over the weekend, President Trump and his top medical advisors warned the nation that it must brace for a deeply discouraging week of COVID-19 deaths. One word the president used to describe the week ahead was horrendous. The Surgeon General said the coming week would be like Pearl Harbor or 9-11. For some context, last week the nation suffered about 7,000 deaths, by far the highest number endured since the coronavirus crisis began. Those deaths were concentrated in the New York metropolitan area that includes part of northern New Jersey. Cases and deaths also rose in New Orleans, Detroit, and Chicago. Those whose lives were lost in the New York metro area last week made up more than a third of all COVID-19 deaths in America. That, since the first death, was reported in Washington state on February 29th. So far, the White House Coronavirus Task Force has held 32 briefings. President Trump took pains at the beginning and end of the Saturday briefing to warn Americans about the week ahead. This will be probably the toughest week between this week and next week. And there'll be a lot of death, unfortunately. We are really coming up into a time that's going to be very uh, horrendous, probably a time like we haven't seen in this country. On Sunday's episode of NBC's Meet the Press, Surgeon General Jerome Adams described the situation this way. The next week is going to be our Pearl Harbor moment. It's going to be our 9-11 moment. Uh, It's going to be the hardest moment for many Americans in their entire life. Amid these grim predictions, top White House medical advisors said there is some reason for hope. At Sunday's briefing, the president said there was, in his words, light at the end of the tunnel, and Vice President Mike Pence spoke of glimmers of light. But this optimism is leaked mainly to the country maintaining its discipline about social distancing, hand washing, 
and taking another new step recommended last week by the CDC, that is, applying a cloth face mask or covering when going places where six feet of social distancing is difficult. Collectively, all these actions are referred to as mitigation. At Sunday's briefing, Dr. Anthony Fauci of the National Institutes of Health said this. If we really want to make sure that we don't have these kinds of rebounds that we're worried about, it's mitigation, mitigation, mitigation. That's the answer. There is, as many of us have learned, no vaccine for COVID-19. There is no tested and approved drug to reduce the severity of the virus, though several drugs are being tested at an accelerated rate to determine their potential effectiveness and safety. President Trump again this weekend hailed the potential of hydroxychloroquine. The president said it was up to patients and physicians to decide, but that he has heard some promising reports. What do I know? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I have common sense. The FDA feels uh, uh, good about it. They've, As you know, they've approved it. They gave it a rapid appro- uh, approval. The Food and Drug Administration long ago approved hydroxychloroquine for malaria and lupus. That drug is not approved for COVID-19. In the meantime, Dr. Deborah Burks, a top medical advisor to the Coronavirus Task Force, made an impassioned plea for Americans to stay home and limit human contact. The next two weeks are extraordinarily important. This is the moment to not be going to the grocery store, not going to the pharmacy, but doing everything you can to keep your family and your friends safe. One issue that has bedeviled the White House and governors across the country is availability of vital medical supplies, such as ventilators. But ventilators themselves are no guarantee of recovery from COVID-19. And sadly, data is piling up about what happens to patients whose symptoms are so severe they require a ventilator. Michael Dowling, CEO of Northwell Health, the largest health provider in New York, discussed what the numbers suggest during Sunday's edition of Face the Nation. If you go on a ventilator, there is about a 20% chance that you will survive. The other supplies in need, protective masks, gowns, and shields, and in some places, hospital beds themselves. In hard-hit metro areas, desperate orders were issued last week. New York and Los Angeles both imposed new restrictions on emergency personnel that will limit the number of cardiac arrest patients transported to the hospital for care. At Saturday's briefing, President Trump said efforts will continue to increase deliveries of medical supplies. We will move heaven and earth to safeguard our great American citizens. We will continue to use every power, every authority, every single resource we've got to keep our people healthy, safe, secure, and to get this thing over with. Part of that effort includes deploying more than 1,000 members of the military medical corps to New York City and putting the field hospital stood up last week inside the Javits Convention Center there under military control. On Sunday, Defense Secretary Mark Esper said, Another 1,000 medical corps will arrive in New York City early this week. The Navy hospital ships Comfort and Mercy are, respectively, in New York and Los Angeles. Originally, they were set to take non-COVID-19 patients, but staggering virus caseloads may require a change. Here is Esper on the Sunday edition of ABC's This Week. Uh, We've been uh, keeping those in reserve, if you will, because we know this will move around the country, this virus. If the virus gets so bad in New York City or L.A., we need to, we'll certainly be prepared to open them up to coronavirus patients. We just don't want trauma patients to become coronavirus patients too. 
In addition to the projected and harrowing increase in COVID-19 deaths in America, this week forecasts of continued economic damage are projected. Economists said mounting unemployment numbers are certain as stay-at-home orders continue. President Trump said over the weekend the country has to open up soon, but was unable to say with certainty when that would be. One issue related to all this is deploying widespread testing and creating drugs that can treat the respiratory disease COVID-19 triggers. Former Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb addressed that on the Sunday edition of CBS's Face the Nation. I think things are going to be permanently changed coming out of this until we get to a vaccine and we can fully vanquish this. We're not going to see a V-shaped recovery or a quick snapback. Absent the ability to get a highly effective drug in the hands of doctors that can mitigate the risk, either uses a prophylaxis to prevent infection with people who get exposed to this virus or treat people who get the virus and are likely at a high risk of a bad outcome. We can have that kind of drug by the summer and certainly by the fall. I don't see the kind of deliberate industrial approach, all hands on deck approach to trying to get that kind of therapeutic. In the meantime, the economic toll deepens. The St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank, one of 12 in the Federal Reserve System, predicted last week 47 million Americans could lose their jobs and the unemployment rate, which jumped last week by nine-tenths of a point to 4.4%, could rise above a jaw-dropping 30% in the coming months. St. Louis Fed President and CEO James Bullard appeared on Sunday's edition of Face the Nation. Our estimates, which are available on our blog, uh, St. Louis Fed on the Economy blog, Uh, suggests the unemployment rate could go anywhere between 10% and 42%. The 32% number is is a compromise in the middle. Bullard said the biggest impact will be seen in the second quarter of this year and broke the numbers down this way. If you think about the U.S. economy, with very round numbers, we produce about $5 trillion worth of goods and services and hence $5 trillion worth of income every quarter. Uh, this shutdown means that we're trying to only produce essential services and the, the goods and services that can be produced by uh, workers working from home. Surely that's less than 50% of the total economy. So income is going to be down 50%. While the administration has increased the availability of testing for COVID-19, the numbers lag far behind where medical professionals and economists believe the nation needs to be before contemplating a lifting of stay-at-home orders or resuming anything approaching normal economic activity or person-to-person interaction at restaurants, sporting events, or concerts. Bullard of the St. Louis Fed suggested a way that process could begin. There is a solution using available technology today to fix the economic part of this problem. The solution is universal testing. What you want is every single person to get tested every day, and then they would wear a badge like they would at a after they voted or something like that uh, to show that they've been tested, this would immediately uh, uh, sort out who's been infected and who hasn't been infected. That would help the healthcare sector, but it would also help the economy because we could interact with each other with a lot of confidence. Now that's all for this episode of CBS Audio's Debriefing the Briefing. Until next time, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. If you like the takeout, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. 
Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sant from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts.